Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Chinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello, Katanoomers. In this episode, Rosel and I visited Pinto Art Museum in Antipolo, Rizal. Pinto is actually best known for its galleries of Filipino art, but we were lucky to join a tour of a very special gallery, a newly opened showcase of Philippine native plants and trees called the Pinto Arboretum. This is actually a, a, a simulation, a, 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 a simulation of what a, a natural habitat in the Philippines would look like. No? You, you guys have been in, in, in Pinto before. If you, if you go outside, uh, what you see is uh, very green, no? very lush on Pinto. No? That was Ronald Achacoso, Board of Trustee for the Philippine Native Plants Conservation Society. It was he who not only led us on this tour, but he also designed the Arboretum. Most of this episode will be short sound bites from the tour, so we hope this inspires you to look for a similar green space in your neighborhood. Or, if you're here in Metro Manila, you can come see the Pinto Arboretum yourself. Now, being that the art museum is in Antipolo, Sir Ronald introduces us to an Antipolo tree. This is the Antipolo tree. This was named after uh, where we are now. We are in Antipolo. The, the city, well, it used to be the province, now it's the city of Antipolo. And the city was named after this tree. It's related to most of the Pinoys who be familiar with the Langka and the Kamansi, no? It looks like Kamansi and Langka. The Kamansi is like the breadfruit from the mutiny in the bounty. Right. So, this, uh, they're, they're related, no? But, but uh, the Antipolo, the, the, the Langka, which we are all familiar with, and the uh, Kamansi are non-native. These are introduced species, you know? Mm-hmm. So, from South, they were introduced from Southeast Asia, no? After, know, but uh, this one is actually an endemic species, no? So that Antipolo is well known for. Oh, they these trees grow big, no? They're mu- but much slower growing, but they are used for dugout canoes, no? So <laughs> these are coveted by you know before. If you see big trees like that, they they would usually cut them down for for boats, you know. And there's also a, a nice story behind the, the Antipolo. Nung er, nung early on. Uh, the leaves have a, a, a latex. Uh, so early on, yung, in the mga farmers, they would uh, in the rice field before the, before the harvest time. They consider, uh, uh, I don't know, birds uh, as pests. You know, the farmers would go to get branches, dried branches, and this has a latex that they, they would cook, and they would uh, wrap the latex around the branches and leave them in the middle of the field. Birds with a roost on, on those on those branches, and then <laughs> they'd get stuck. And then uh, after a while, yeah, the, the the farmer would come and pick up the uh, no, pick up the put the birds in cages and sell them in churches. No, the tour was full of different trivia on the different kinds of trees found in the Philippines. Another piece of information you don't normally learn is the amount of tree species in the country. To give uh, no, a figure, uh, the Philippines. Filipinas has about 10,000 species of plants in the world, uh, in the Philippines, you know, and mga 50% of that are found only in the Philippines. But with orchids, 
Siguro 80 with the Medinillas 90% endemic, no? With the orchids 80% endemic. So not nag it nagbalance out with ano eh, with the less evolved plants like with the with the with the gymnosperms and the ferns. Usually these are what do you call that? Uh, they're cosmopolitan. They're found throughout the world. So yeah, they're most of the ferns, most of the cycads are found in other I don't know other countries also. So don't buma buying and and Endemicity refers to the species that can only be found in a certain area. The antipolo, for example, can only be found naturally occurring in the Philippines, as mentioned earlier by Sir Ronald. Native or indigenous species, however, means that it can be naturally occurring in one country, but it can also be native elsewhere. Here, Sir Ronald elaborates more on the definition of native species. A native species is a plant yeah, that is originally from here, a plant that has not been introduced by human means, no? Whether mm. deliberately or by accident, whether 5,000 years ago by the early humans or whether a few weeks ago by somebody from uh, a player who brought seeds here and, and, and grew, no? Yeah, a native species is something that was here before humans arrived or, no, no? Uh, or came here through natural means, no? You guys have been in, in, in Pinto before. If you, if you go outside, uh, what you see is uh, very green, no? very lush on Pinto. No? So, what, what do you notice about you know, uh, the, the greenery in Pinto regarding the flora? Uh, actually, most of the flora outside these premises, like 75 or 80, 85% of the flora that you see out in most urban places in, in, in the city are non-native species you know? so what you see mostly are plants of the world no exotic plants uh, like you would see the fire tree from Madagascar and uh, you know uh, the, the yucas from the South America the, 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 the agaves from South America it's a very eclectic uh, composition you know? and yeah the irony is you know, the Philippines is one of the richest in the world in terms of biodiversity but also we are the most unaware of how rich we are. No? My analogy here is like, a, well, the, 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 the forests are like undeciphered life depositories of knowledge. No? They're like, like libraries that we, we've lost the capacity to read. So, The pineapple is a bromeliad from South America. No? Goyabano is from South America. Avocado is from South America. Uh, <laughs> what was the other plant you mentioned? Atis is from South America. A lot of these plants came from South America due to the galleon trade. Uh, by, they were brought mm. in by the Spaniards due, from Mexico. So I think galleon trade. So most of the plants that we are familiar with, no, atis, uh, yung nga, star apple, caimito, and kamatchili. It sounds kind of Aztec, no? Kamatchili or <laughs> uh, yeah. So ano sila? These were introduced. Uh, Expressing the difference between native and exotic species is important in bringing back forests in the Philippines. As you might have learned in previous episodes, using exotic trees in tree planting activities has harmed habitats and even people. There have been documentation of exotic trees falling on homes and schools after typhoons, and even forests deprived of certain wildlife or the singing of birds, because they cannot nest or feed from the non-native trees there. In his quest to teach people about the country's local or native trees, Sir Ronald shares one of his inspirations in bringing forest conservation to more and more people. I became uh, acquainted with uh, one of the greatest Filipino botanists in the last uh, 100 years, 
Uh, that's uh, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, unfortunately, he was red tagged in 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 Kananga later, ten years ago, and he was uh, killed by the soldiers who were supposed to protect him. Leonard Coe was a renowned botanist who founded the Philippine Native Plants Conservation Society in 2007. He was often referred to as a human library of plants and trees who could identify any number of trees in any given forest by just looking at its leaves or fruit. In fact, today, there is an online library of Philippine plants dedicated to him. You can check it out at philippineplants.org. He was a national treasure, no? He was there, he was supposed to help beneath the lotuses to restore the... Sir Ronald today has been doing numerous tree walks like this one and has been an active member of the organization Leonard co-founded, sharing his love of the Philippines' native plants and trees. One of those trees is a species Filipinos are very familiar with. Uh, this is uh, and... also another fig tree. Uh, it's a Ficus hetero heteroplura. Uh, it's uh, generically called balete. Balete. Yeah, balete. Oh, it's a balete. So this is actually my balete condominium because there are several species of... The balete is well known for its wrangling branches, which some might say looks like the hair of a giant at night. There is this belief, common belief, uh, among us, no? that a balete tree is... Ano yung balete tree? It's usually haunted. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, most people believe that a, a, a huge, an old balete tree is haunted by spirits. They are they call them the, the keystone species in I don't know. Birds eat them and actually most of them are edible to I don't know. Pa parang ano pa but then, it's also selective. Eh? They're not all palatable to humans, but uh, to bird, it's a bird magnet. No? That's why we call it a, a keystone species. A keystone species is any plant in, the, in, in, in an ecosystem that uh, the keystone is firing arch in its architecture, no? in the stone in the middle, in the wedge-shaped arch, that if you remove it, everything collapses no? in, in a bridge. No? So a keystone species is something that if you remove from its ecosystem, the system collapses or ceases to become uh, the, the, the ecosystem as we know it. You know. The Balete being a keystone species gives you an idea of the importance of planting native trees and why environmentalists like Sir Ronald or Sir Leonard dedicated their lives to bringing this information to more and more people. At the end of the tour, Sir Ronald shared why he felt that having an arboretum next to an art museum was fitting. In fact, he himself is also a painter. I actually see this also as a as an artwork, no? I think I, I when I was doing painting, actually, yung orientation kana was towards the natural sciences, no? such that my first exhibit was entitled "On the Origin of Species," no? So idol ko na si Darwin bago si Picasso at saka si Van Gogh, no? so so eto yeah it's uh, I'm trying to develop this idea of the aesthetics of ecology, na. Now, that something is uh, beautiful or not not visually but but because of how things interconnect tapos uh, when, when you see how how everything is uh, how one thing is, you, you like with the fig wasp is essential to the life cycle of the balete tree uh, and 
it's the balete tree is one of the largest organisms in the rainforest tapos it has it inter it cannot survive na no no uh it cannot survive without the one of the smallest creatures in the rainforest in figwas no so mind blowing actually eh, na, <laughs> no. so yun pa yung sinasabi ko na in the art scene pwede kang maging very arbitrary uh, you you're parang always celebrating the self the ego no yung the the genius of the of the mind the human mind no whereas in the plant world impossible lang ganun nothing is arbitrary no matter how weird something looks Nga, there are forces that uh, no no confluence of forces that uh, work on these um, organisms no yung pitcher plant no ako may medyo okay lang ba medyo okay lang oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like take for example yung photosynthesis no actually napaka magical when you look at it from from an artist's perspective napaka magical siya it's like solidified sunlight no different expressions of light na ano no yung mga dahon these are all solar panels mga solar ano niya no they're just there to to absorb light and to express yeah dif- so everything you see here is an expression of sunlight and ano no and other forces na ano so ang ganda eh. so it's more beautiful than any painting you can ano no you can imagine ano so ayun eh. and then when you burn these ano these leaves you release all that energy na ano no from the sun no so parang trapped ano nga siya eh. parang crystallized sunlight mm. so when you look at it from that parang napaka poetic napaka mm. we are back with our catonomers and um that was the audio so far from Pinto Arboretum Well, what do you guys think so far? Um, I know it's a bit difficult to really get a gist of the of the place since it's just purely audio, but hopefully some of the descriptions and some of the birds chirping in the background kind of gave you at least some basic feel for for the place. Uh, what did you guys think? So I actually felt that it's one of those episodes that I actually wanted to hear more. And there were times where I could hear Rosella saying, mm, yeah, and you know, that seal of approval. And I was wondering if there were items or things that you guys learned that were not in the recording that we heard. Oh my gosh, there was a lot. That was only what, 10% of everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me that wasn't in the audio was the, there was like a small aquarium do you call that an aquarium or something so when you go into so you have the vertical garden and on a wall and if you go down say about 11 meters by 10 5 i don't know 10 or so there's a small like pool but it's not like a, a swimming pool it's a pool with a with one side is a window so you could look inside what's in this this parang aquarium of plants and there's fish inside it, and there's no koi this the this The, the the fish here are actually endemic species of particular lakes in the Philippines, and the plants, the aquatic plants, are also endemic to certain lakes. I think there were two species of fish from two separate lakes. Now, one is Lake Lanao. Lake Lanao. What yes. was that? Do you remember the other? Um, I don't remember the other one. But what's interesting about the fish from Lake Lanao was that they were, I think, extinct or almost extinct. And so, because I think there were a few years, if not decades, also that they were practicing 
all these, you know, harmful ways of um, fishing in, in Lake Lanao. And Lake Lanao is huge. It's um, kind of the lifeline in that area. Um, but, you know, the, the ecosystem suffered and there were a lot of endemic species there that, yeah, they all were almost extinct and they, and Sir Ronald happened to have like friends who were able to gather some of those, find those fish and kind of, they tried to bring them to, you know, this to Pinto and try to um, cultivate them or like, you know, try to propagate. I, what's the proper term? Breed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to breed them. Exactly. So it's both like, it's, I think the whole time I was, in awe of all the, you know, the trivia around all these species, but at the same time, he also has a lot of sad stories around all these species that were almost extinct or are already extinct. And I, I, I felt bad, I felt guilty, I felt, um, yeah, all sorts of things. Like, I wish I knew this earlier. I wish there was more access to information. I wish, you know, there are ways that we can learn this in, in a time when, you know, it's just information should be very much available to us, but it just seems like these kinds of information around our heritage, they're not as accessible. So I think that's one of the things that really struck me during our, our tour. Yeah, it's like it's information if you don't, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't seek it out, you won't find it, parang ganon. And it would be, yeah, you're, you're right. Like it would be nice if it's just something that every Filipino would learn, diba? Like in school or, yeah. How was it like? Um, was it like walking through a like a forest or like a jungle? Like was there a footpath or walang footpath or? Because I re- like I I I wish there were pictures. I wish there was a video talaga. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> there's when you walk in the door you have this small like parang lobby hindi naman lobby but like it's just this open area with some stone a footpath made out of stone but it's very very um rudimentary very very basic um and when you and you look behind Sir Ronald as he's speaking there's yeah you know it's a it's a forest it's a jungle it's very it's fairly deep he said it's 5,000 square meters but only 2,000 square meters was actually cultivated for for the arboretum but the rest is still fairly wooded and probably still a, a mix of native and exotic trees and then and then to your right when you walk in is the vertical is this big huge wall that's almost two stories yata and goes straight down and there's all these ferns these um kremnophytes yung pangalan, di ba? kremnophytes i think is the term for uh trees or plants that ad- have adapted to walls or crevices in the cliffs limestone cliffs get on so those are the plants that are there and they're it, yeah it's really lush um yeah that that's why we're, we were kind of happy we didn't do the whole audio well we actually it actually got cut off anyway the, the battery died so, <laughs> the battery died oh, otherwise we probably would have but and we also wanted to entice people to to if not go to pinto but also look into hopefully they look for arboretums nearby or get you know we have a few photos from the area and like specific plants. Like for me, most of the plants I took photos of are ferns. 
they're my favorite. And he also talked about, you know, how ferns are the kind of like after mosses, they're ne the next parent species to grow in forests. And I love, I, I started getting interested in ferns during another tree walk in UP Diliman, where there's a fern that's like, it reflects violet and a range of violet and green and red uh, tinge or on, on the surface, depending on how you see it, how it you know, reflects light. It's super nice, super beautiful. And then I saw that again in Pinto. And then a few more ferns, huge ones, like twice as tall as us. <laughs> um, and then some have like spores, some are spiky, some are hairy. Um, super interesting. We had kids with us too. So during tours, sometimes it's like more a homogeneous group. So they're like from one company, they're all friends or they're like, all family members, whatever, but our ours kasi parang pinagsama-sama nila kami with like other other groups. So us and then like a family, a young family with two boys, and then another family with a Lola and a teenager, etc. Um, and the boys were like, um, they they just wanna run run around talaga. <laughs> they wanna touch things and you know, and even Sir, Sir Ronald would give us like, here, try this Philippine cinnamon. And then we would pass the leaves around and like, oh, this feels, this sounds, or this smells and tastes like cinnamon. And then the, the kids would, you know, pag may branch they would sword, I mean, a sword fight, leaf fight, leaf fight. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just really nice to be, to, to, to go through that that tour I think it was like one hour pero parang we could have explored so much more I don't know how we'll be interpreting it but there was a recurring theme in your recording that the Philippines is so rich in biodiversity native plant species number of flora and fauna etc and it made me realize in another context that you have these countries I don't know where I've read it or I've heard it, but there are these countries with more than two seasons. And these countries don't have so much resources. But even if that were the case, they were able to gain control of countries like ours that have so much resources, but the citizens don't get to benefit from it. I'm quite torn about that because I think the natural resources of the country should be shared by the citizens that it's part of. So I'm going to segue to another topic where you don't like to be told that, you know, you don't want to be a tourist in your own country. But given the rich biodiversity in our country, I would want to be a tourist so that at least as I get to expose, get to be exposed to all of these, I have a very good foundation of what rich means before I get to go out, venture forth to another country and notice how rich they are, or even share the knowledge that we have in our country to theirs. It's, you know, certain, to that effect. But yeah, it, it means that a little bit that, you know, you're saying that these species are getting extinct in the lake. These plant species are being lost to poachers or to people who are fond of collecting them. But 
in the end, we really have to be aware that we have to take care of what is there and we cannot do it alone. That's so true. Um, again, we, we talk about Sir Leonard Cole, who was and still is kind of the, the national scientist that kind of started all these um, efforts around um, identifying our species. Um, and I think um, another podcast, uh, Puma podcast, they have a series of um, like information, like I think three-part series, almost a documentary style podcast about his life. I think we can we can add that in our in our uh, podcast links. Um, there's just so many things that he was he wanted to do, he was doing and he wanted to do, um, advocating for for more Filipinos to learn about our bi- biodiversity, um, and I'm really glad that Sir Ronald kind of followed his footsteps. I think there are a few younger environmentalists also pushing for this. Um, yeah, it's. It's hard because when, at least personally for me, when when I was there, um, I felt like you know almost ignorant of what we have, and he put it beautifully, and it kind of hurts a little bit. He says that our forests are undeciphered life depositories and they are like libraries that we're that we've lost the capacity to read and that hurts it's poetic but it hurts man (laughs) it hurts because when did we lose that or did we even start actually you know trying to read or trying to explore our forests or are they specific to people like Sir Leonard Go and maybe Sir Ronald and all these other scientists, why is it just specific to them when we could have like a bigger movement uh, around this? Um, yeah, I mean, it, of course, I'm not in the middle of the environmental movement, but I'm sure there are a lot of people dedicated to this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a poetic, but also painful way you know, of saying that there's so much to learn from our forests and our fauna and flora, and we have to build the capacity to read them before we lose them. Yeah, it, it's so true <clears throat> because usually people were, were, we are focused when, it, when you think about richness or wealth, we talk about how, how, how has the economy grown <laughs> under this president or whatever? Or like, how, what's the GDP? What's our, you know, gross domestic, whatever, you know, from remittances or mining or something else, what have you. But um, uh, yeah, you're right, Chinkin, because wealth, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder, Jokna. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, we are definitely wealthy in these natural resources, like, like what you said, Chinkin. And, and it's amazing because we're just talking about plants. We're just talking about the wealth of plant biodiversity. <laughs> and um, we didn't even touch upon, you know, this is flora. What about fauna? Animals, you know, birds uh, and other species that we have. And, and not only wealth in terms of like this hypothetical, oh, we have a lot of this that's unique to us. That, that's, that's also good. But there's also, um, and Chinkin has 
brought this up in previous episodes and we've had this you know as a topic in previous podcasts uh, po- previous episodes is the the medicine that can be derived from from these plants that is also can be translated into actual wealth you know if we can harness the ability to cure and to heal and to make it widespread and mass produce through um, the, the OH and what have you and so on and so forth so a lot of this nature and this natural wealth can actually be wealth it can be money it can be GDP yeah I mean this whole conversation makes me think about you know it's not just I think it's not just our separation from our the plants that we have but I think it's also rooted in you know the fact that we were colonized and for another entity to have power over a diff, uh, another group of people, you have to separate them from their strength, right? From their and identity. that was the yeah, that was the strength of our people, like their connection to the land, to the flora and fauna. And I mean, it's really sad, you know, like especially my younger self, I was like really into that, and you know, I still think about it now, but. I think there are people naman like you guys diba, and the groups we are online who are rediscovering um, the na- our native trees and sharing information about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite sad. I think it's also like our education system, diba? it's patterned um, after the American system. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think it's it's you know there are people doing it and yeah. I'm I'm going to add up on the on the wealth of the country, like biodiversity, plants, animals. We also have to consider mining, like minerals. We also have to consider people. We are such a rich culture. We have such a rich culture. We have such a noble people from all the from all our ancestral domains and the heritages that we have from each region and locality. And we also have to think of all these resources in terms of good and bad, like our people. If we work together and build the country together, we will definitely improve. But if we use human capital for troll farms or hurting each other, it's completely the opposite. Minerals that we mine, the ores that we get, it can be used to share the wealth or it can also be used to keep the wealth among certain people. In terms of food and plant diversity, it's how we feed our people. It's how we get to sustain other countries as well. There was some mention on Keystone and it's such a very rich concept, not just in social science or even architecture, but also with the human body, because the human body can't be upright without the tarsal keystones. So these are bones in the foot that keep us upright. And if you lose those keystones, your 26 bones in the foot will just collapse into a heap. And without a lower extremity, the whole body goes down. So interestingly, there are two bones on the foot that act as keystones. If you're going to think about your heel, the base of your first toe, and the base of your fifth toe, the littlest toe, that acts as a tripod. In the inner aspect, there's called the, the, there's what they call a tarsal navicular, which lets the foot turn around. 
And that's on the inner aspect. And it's interesting that when you do heel strike when you're walking, as soon as the heel strikes, there's a tendon that pulls on that keystone so that it locks like a rigid column. And then as that inner aspect lands on the ground, there's a lateral column that is very supple so that it can accommodate uneven terrain. And that's the beautiful biomechanics that the body has. But to go back to the concept of the keystone for you not to collapse into a heap, it also has to be a keystone of the human body, of the human being, for us to be able to work together, hope against hope, and just really imagine that we do have these resources and we cannot just be hopeful in making sure that we will be in a better situation, but there has to be some movement, positive action that each one has to do in order to attain that. And it's a very rich recording because in that 13, 15 minutes, it really made me want to hear more. And it's amazing that it was just started out in plants mm -hmm. as a benchmark to future topics. I love that. It's interesting how Keystone is really, I mean, it's a great metaphor, but it's, it's a, it's a we, were, we were talking about wealth, but it's actually, you know, it's a Keystone, you know, the plant, you know, plant life and biodiversity. It's um, without it, you know, we're, we're gone, you know, we're, it's, so that's another, it's like an ongoing theme, I guess, for not only our visit that we shared with you guys, but also you know, our discussion. What, what's crucial, what's important. And unfortunately, we've kind of overlooked that. But that's the point, right? Now that we identify it, now that we see it, hopefully we can continue to move and, and, and protect uh, what's important. We first had, I mean, my first recollection of having a computer at home was 1995 when internet was introduced in Bacolod. And we had this colored monitor already. And the most annoying part of that huge monitor was a function on Keystone. And yes, I remember that. I didn't know what it was for. And I kept playing with it and it would distort the screen. And why would it distort the screen in a trapezoid? It really bugged me out. But eventually, years later, I found that the screen, when I turned the screen on, was crooked. And I used Keystone and the Keystone fixed it. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> These memories haunt us, but <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see Keystone, you know, it can mean so many different ways. And as we grow up, we get to be introduced to other fields of work, other uh, nuances to the term, and I guess it opens up new meanings for us. Mm. Makes you wonder what came first. I think it's always nature that comes first. Mm. Parang, I always think of it. Like what Albert said, that it's a good metaphor, a good metaphor. But I think it's like it's a metaphor now because we're so separate from it. But really, it's like it's just what am I trying to say? It's like it's it's how life is, you know, beyond plants, like how plants work. That's really how everything else works, also. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead because this is totally unrelated no 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 go no so the keystone species that was mentioned was balete tree diba? and i remember that took me back to first grade or maybe third grade and pag nag overnight kami sa school there's a balete tree there and like there's a challenge that you have to run to it and then touch it <laughs> 
And and that's really, I guess, the parang folklore around that, no? Like, there are spirits. Yeah, it was interesting to hear that. Yeah, we didn't include that in the recording, but there, there's um, a trivia about Balete Drive, a Balete Tree uh, from Sir Ronald. Do you remember? What was the trivia again? So we think about we the based on folklore that there's a capre there that's that's uh kumbaga it's um favorite yan ng mga spirits at mga anito ganyan, that they they stay there but um i think apparently oh my gosh i think i have to i hope i remember it right and this might be controversial <laughs> um but um but basically, of course, in the context of colonization and 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 capitalism being brought in, um, the that folklore is kind of distorted or made to the the story around it is made to be that frightening or that nakakatakot siya para maging separate tayo doon sa trees sa tree itself or like like you you become more afraid of the the tree when it's supposed to be um yeah like a like an important part of of the ecosystem of that area like scientifically speaking diba pero parang they of course uh years and years of trying to uh control the minds of people there are stories that were built around that that kind of like made you think or at least yung yung mga ancestors natin they were made to think that you're not supposed to go near that because it's full of you know bad spirits and um do you remember this i remember now okay so there were two terms you brought it's not in the audio no, no, okay. no. So he was talking about um, the different ficus, because Belete is from the genus ficus or fig trees. And he called, uh, near the vertical garden, he called this area where there's different species of fig or balete his capre condominium. And he was excited about it. He said, yeah, and exactly like Marcel said, and what you said, Joe, earlier about the separation, right? The colonizers that came in. He said that he used two words. He said, um, when you the the Spanish friars or what have you, they they told the Filipinos back then, uh, don't go into the forest, don't go near that tree because it's maligno. Ah, maligno yes, ba? Yes, yes, maligno. So maligno means malign. It what? will malign, they will malign you. These trees are bad, the, the capre is evil, you know. Whereas before they were benign or benigno, that's what he said. He said, and he he said, you know, I I have no sources on this. This is just my, you know, what he said his own personal view. But that's what happened. This is basically what Joe you mentioned that they made these spirits that we that Filipinos believed in in the past and made them small. They made them fearful. They made them, and so in in a in a in order to separate the Filipinos from their religions and their beliefs to be, become more Catholic and become more Spanish or whatever. Uh, I remember see, reading somewhere, and again, I can't cite where I got this from, but supposedly 
the Spanish also told them this because they wanted less uh, people to join revolts in the forest, which is where a lot of the, the attacks would come from a lot of the, uh, I, I don't have the basis yet. I need to find where I, but I remember reading something like that. So, but I think we all know we've in school or in our own research or from friends that that's, that's basically how colonization, colonization works, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and unfortunately as a result, but we have Trece now. It just came up this week. <laughs> you know, Filipinos are now, you know, I mean, it's been going, I mean, the spiritual beliefs are still there, but of course, on the mass, the, for the everyone, you know, the, the mass, the widespread belief, the mainstream belief is that it's negative, the, these beliefs. And even our forest, it's connected to our knowledge of the plants and the trees and our, the biodiversity that's been here before the Spanish came. It's gone, or not gone, but it's not in the top of our minds. So like Trece, let's bring it to Netflix. <laughs> bring this audio. <laughs> let's make these new stories Hello, about Netflix. You know, oh, Netflix and Bakayo. Let's go to Pinto para, you know, can you Send make a check? Huh? Yeah. Send the yeah. check, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and the check bin, yes. Wealth. <laughs> we need to build our wealth. Pero di ba, yung maligno as a term is from malignant. Having yes. benigno benign and a tumor that's malignant is something that you don't want. Mm, yon diba? mm. Crazy. Oh, my, my benign so, tumor then, right? Oh, benign. Let's say you're the colonizer. As a colonizer, you have this concept that there's a species that's endemic to a plant. So, capre to balete. You remove the balete, you and remove the capre. Stone, diba? <laughs> and it's. It, Oh, it's a pale language, it's but so heartbreaking, really, Deva. You can really think about it. The saving grace, though, is mm. in the context of the arboretum with mm. the art museum. It's really good that they're side by side, because you get inspiration for your art, for your art from nature, and nature becomes the very good environment to host that. And you can interpret it in so many ways as, you know, life imitating art or art imitating life. And imagine if you can have an art residency there and you get to work with these people. Wow. So those are, I don't know, I'm just thinking at the back of my head, but I know that I'll never be in that position because I'm not, you know, in a full-blown artistic mode at all in my line of work. But yeah, I could just imagine. But, okay, so this is one of my notes from from the recording as well is that you know i think we discussed this before about you know how art and science what you know has been kind of separate in in so many ways but we should actually look at it as more connected than than mutually exclusive art is shouldn't be separate from science and science shouldn't be separate from art and this in Pinto you know Pinto is a happy place but it's become even more like our favorite place having all those lovely art from our Filipino artists in this arboretum that's kind of like a, a living library of all these um, native species and they 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 can go side by side as chicken chicken said and also like zooming out it means that it's possible that we we can have art and science together and look at you know how 
remember he was talking about photosynthesis in a very poetic manner um, about how the relationship of the fig wasps and the fig tree is not arbitrary. Um, you know, how plants in the natural world, they, they're, the way they, they propagate and the way they, they thrive in certain environments that's not arbitrary, that's scientific, but also there's like poetry in there, there's art in there. And I really like that from Sir Ronald, how he himself, his philosophy in life, philosophy in art and science encapsulates that. I really, really enjoyed that part. I think it's like art and science, they're, they might seem like they're opposites or like op at opposite ends of a spectrum. Like science deals with facts, the like empirical observations, but art gives meaning to those, you know? Like what will you do with life if you're like 100% healthy and all that, right? But you're not able to find meaning or beauty in in what's around you or what's inside you i think that's the that's how art and science complement each other and the foot is like a wonderful beautiful perfect near perfect piece of art in itself yeah, the hand surgeons would always tell you that the foot is just an ugly hand. But <laughs> what they don't admit is that feet get you place, get you to places. Yes. Hands will let you explore your world, your environment, but you won't be able to get there without your feet. So maybe in some way, you can think of one limb as better as the other. But again, it's still a part of a cohesive man that needs the help of all these appendages. But the woman. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> the, the 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 body is truly amazing. The mechanics behind it, the biology behind it, how it heals, how it repairs itself, truly amazing. And so, so I don't, was it evident in the audio? I forget that Serrano is a, a painter himself. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, um. Well, what did I want to bring up? I, I yeah. Basically, I just found that interesting i found that um i it appealed to me even more being an artist and like what chicken said it's like you have the arboretum and right beside it is the art museum and then you have this this person this conservationist this you know who's who knows so much about plants but it turns out he's a painter and he made this vertical wall <laughs> this garden which when you look at it and i saw him in front of it in front of it explaining it it would i remember being at the at the art museum, uh, seeing the Spolarium. It's this huge painting, the Bani Luna, Juan Luna. And you're, I remember I had a picture in front of that and I saw him and I said, wow, he, he painted this vertical wall of plants in a, in a way, you know? So that, yeah, you're right. This, this, it's really our new favorite place. And I hope Chinkin, uh, uh, there's an art residency. <laughs> Even if there isn't, I'll just go there and camp. You know, put up a tent and then just start drawing and putting it up, up on the wall or something. It's a really great place. Hopefully, you and everyone else who's listening can get to see it um, when it's actually safe. great that your recording was very brief about it because it really gives me that want to visit it. You know, when yeah. everything's okay and stay there for quite some time. 
Yes, let's go. Let's go yes. to Akinto. <laughs> and I think they they're just because of you know restrictions and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I think they stopped the tours at some point, but um, when things get better, I think it, it's just um, of course we it's important that you know we we limit people's movement right now. But this place is outdoors. It has a lot of, you know, very, it has a lot of sunshine, breezy naman siya. It's a green space. I think we need more spaces like this. We need more people to have access to these places more than just being, you know, inside their homes. And again, seeing beauty, as Joe said, seeing beauty and even not just beautiful art, but also provocative art and art that's from our fellow Filipinos. That's, it just fills me up in a different way. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's really nice that uh, we, we get to have access to it. Um, and we, we can't wait for another, to go to another trip. <laughs> And actually, there's like a point in the recording <laughs> when Sir Ronald was saying na parang idol niya sila Darwin and Picasso or something. And I was like, you know what? Now, Filipino artists have him, right? As someone to look up to. And that's really great. Like, you know, having someone from the Philippines um, be so in touch with that, with with plants and art and you know be so passionate about it and sharing it that's really inspiring I think for many young ones or even older ones yes all right so I guess with that I, I kind of before we end I wanted to ask you guys um since we're talking about visiting you know the arboretum if there's any green spaces that you know that you remember that we can pitch to listeners if not in Bacolod um I have a few in mind in here in Metro Manila. Uh, um, what, what about you guys? And even in Metro Manila, when you guys were here, any other green spaces you can recommend people to visit? I remember visiting, um, what was it? In It was in Quezon City. It was a park. The Aquino Wildlife Park? Yeah. Along North yeah. Avenue? Yeah, yes. that was nice. That was a nice place. Yeah, nice place. In Bacolod, the, the old place, definitely. Yeah, the conservation center um negros forest park yes yeah. we've been there right yeah we visited that we saw a dulungan there oh yeah all yes. these unique species so if if anyone is in bacolod or wanting to visit gotta really check out what joe suggested the negros forest park um a lot of species there i don't know about the tree species but i know you guys mentioned in the in the capital lagoon in bacolod there's mm. nara you have nara there there yeah. is Nara. Uh, so there's, yeah. well, regardless, there's so many trees in plant life there as well. So um, yeah. what else? In, in Bohol naman, there's Raha Sikatuna protected landscape. So I, I, I believe many people, if you're familiar with Bohol, there's a well-known place called the, the quote-unquote man-made forest of Bilar. And unfortunately, this forest is actually um, all exotic species, particularly mahogany. So when you go there, I don't know if you mentioned this in the previous podcast, you, you should still go there um, so that you can see how they, they call it 
near almost biologically dead. Well, not biologically dead, but it's there. You don't hear a lot of uh, birds. There's not a lot of biodiversity. If you know scientists will do surveys and they compare it to an actual forest, old growth forest like Raja Secatuna. So I bring this up because on your way to this to Raja Secatuna is the road going through this. They call it the man-made forest of Villar. So um, stop by, look out, you know, take pictures, take selfies, what have you, and then listen, and then go to Raja Secatuna, and then. Then you'll hear all the different species, the birds, the tarshers, everything's there. Um, so that's one place. Um, that's not only a green space. That's not an arboretum, actually. It's actually an, the, the last remaining patches of, of forest in, in Bohol. Um, in Dumagueta, I did a quick search. There's Siit Arboretum. Um, it has exotic trees, too, but there, I believe there's also some native trees there as well in Dumagueta. And then in UP Dilaman, we have the Washington Siit Garden of Native Trees. So if you're in Metro Manila, check out and go to UB Tilaman, look out for that. It's open, it's public. There's no admission or anything. And they're all native trees, Antipolo, Siar, um, they even have the Anahau. Or, um, you know. Is this the one between the UP Film Center and the, the music theater hall? Right, right there, right in, front yeah. of the, right. right in front of UP Film, across from the UP Alumni Building. Yeah, there. Right. Um, and then... Ayala Triangle Gardens. Um, we have, there are huge, beautiful Bagras trees. I, I think I'd have to say of all the Bagras that we have seen from Mindanao to Dumaguete to, to Luzon, those are probably the most beautiful Bagras that we've seen. Um, and that's here in Ayala Triangle in Makati. You guys should check that out. Um, and I think that's it for my short, for our short list. But yeah, if Listeners, if you have any green spaces, you know, feel free to let us know, um, add in the comments um, so, so we can get more people out and about and um, get a breath of fresh air, get to re get reconnected to our plants and our trees and also for our mental health. <laughs> Just to add, for Negros Island, you also have the northern uh, Negros rainforest and you can get to access it from Silay, from Talisay, from Don Salvador Benedicto. It's a huge area where the scops owl can be found, the deer, the hornbills, uh, the warty pigs. And down south in Dumaguete, you have access to Mount Tarinis, which still has maybe 2% of its original rainforest cover. And I mentioned it because the last time we went there in Dumaguete, we visited, it was just beautiful, right? And you get to go to this volcanic, that this dormant volcano, it's a lake already, and then you can just paddle in a boat and it's all pristine canopy. Beautiful. Oh, wow. Ooh, we should add that in our um, travel list. <laughs> oh, oh. We can't do Taal Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But now we can do Mount Talinis? Talinis. Talinis. Oh, I haven't, I haven't been to... Uh, an area like that, like it used to be a volcano, now it's a lake. Oh. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. So thanks everyone for listening and see you in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosal. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep, Keep planting. planting. Intro music is Siesta by Jazar 